You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome in to Locked On Cardinals. Today is Wednesday, September the 2nd. My name is Lucas Smith, and Locked On Cardinals is a daily podcast talking everything St. Louis Cardinals, part of the pod- Locked On Podcast Network. We got a good one for you guys today. Jeff Carr and I, Jeff Carr of Locked On Reds, joins me. Do a little crossover show talking about the annihilation of the Reds yesterday, and really the annihilation of the Reds' whole year uh, at the hands of the St. Louis Cardinals. So stay tuned for that. But I did want to let you guys know before I played that for you, that today's episode is brought to you by Special Olympics Missouri. Right now, you have a chance to help support them and be winter to win a brand new 2020 GMC Canyon 4x4 truck. You can go to somo.org slash raffle and click on the green button. And 20 bucks will get you five tickets. You get one extra one for being free. $5 per ticket supports individuals with intellectual disabilities. $10 is the minimum online purchase. You do not need to live in Missouri to win. So all of my out-of-state listeners, you can enter this as well. Uh, October 31st is the last day to enter the truck. You can also be entered to win trips to Branson and Las Vegas. You get one entry there for every 40 bucks of tickets purchased for the truck raffle. Somo.org slash raffle. Click the green button to buy truck, truck tickets generically. 20 bucks gets you five tickets. One free for being absolutely awesome. Chance to win a brand new 2020 GMC Canyon 4x4 truck or more. So that's the sponsor of today's show. Go help out Special Olympics. Got a little bit of a longer one for you, but it's a good conversation between Jeff and I about the Cincinnati Reds and the St. Louis Cardinals. So without further ado, enjoy the show. All righty, for today's Locked On Reds, we have with us Lucas Smith. He is of the Locked On Cardinals. And my very first question, Lucas, is where do you get off? No, I'm just kidding. We won't go there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, boy, what a night that was, huh? I mean, you're happy. Yeah. I know that. Oh, it, it's been quite the couple, you know, six, seven days of playing teams from Ohio. I mean, the, the <laughs> Indians put up 20 hits and 14 whatever runs on Saturday or Friday. And then, you know, five days later, we do the same thing to Cincinnati. So uh, it's been quite the turnaround. That's for I, sure. I tell you what. And actually, before I ask you this next question, let me uh, – yeah, there we go. Okay, we got that going. <laughs> uh <laughs> My question with you is, and when you when you look at a game like this from the Cardinals' perspective, who impressed you the most? Because from a Reds' perspective, it was like they were facing nine different supermen who never got out. But oh, what what were your thoughts on this? For me, again, the dude is unbelievable. He hit what he hit two home runs tonight. It's the second multi-homer game, but. Four for four. Edmund had three hits. Coley was one for two, so I guess not him. But Brad Miller driving in seven runs. I mean, I mean, that's a, a night, not necessarily a night for the ages, but that's a very impressive showing on an offensive side. So Brad Miller was quite impressive tonight for me. That dude has been quite an addition. Didn't he come over? It was almost like an afterthought kind of transaction for the Cardinals. Oh yeah, it was just a you know a little mini one year deal that they got. I think he played for. Cleveland and Philadelphia the last year and he's never been able to put it together for a whole season he was one of those guys like oh maybe he'll be a backup you know shortstop backup third baseman type thing for Carpenter and he has shown that he is much more than a backup third baseman that's for sure 
hit the snot out of the ball. Yeah. I mean, he, he was killing it. And, I mean, obviously, Reds fans, we all felt very confident with our man on the mound, Sonny Gray, yeah. and that got dispatched very quickly. And kind of on the flip side, Kwang Hyung Kim continued to do what he has done to the Reds now twice. And going, what's it now, 17 straight innings of scoreless baseball for him, like that's phenomenal. Yeah, he was one of those guys that like you didn't know what you you were gonna get coming over from. I think it was the KBO he came over from, and he's done nothing like he said. Um, and you know, I know that the Reds' offense only scored two runs today. Just to remind you, they only scored two runs today. I just want to yes. make sure you remember that. <laughs> yeah. uh, but this is still a lineup that has the potential to hit. Um, so I mean, it's, it's nothing to, to sneeze at that that Kim is impressing like this. And boy, I was shocked at Sonny Gray uh, when he make it through 38, 39 pitches. <sighs> This guy has been one of the most under-the-radar guys. We talked about it last time we had a crossover, but one of the most underrated guys. And what did you see? I know you, you posted, you know, you're not going to know the answer to what happened to him tonight, but can you sum up at all what you think you saw from Sunday Gray tonight? I just – I it was interesting because he was still making his pitches. Like, the night before last, Anthony DiSclefani had no command. It was all over the place – and Cardinals mm -hmm. hitters knew that. It's like, okay, if you're going to throw a strike, you're going to throw a fastball, and we're going to kill it. And if not, then we're just going to look at it, and we're going to walk. But on the Sonny Gray side, it was like, I don't know, maybe he was tipping his pitches. Maybe it was something in his delivery. But it still looked like he had his pitches rolling. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, he's just getting absolutely blasted by everybody in the lineup. And this was the kind of start, and I think uh, somebody had tweeted it out. It's like the worst start of his career or something like that. Definitely the worst start of his Reds career. It snaps a crazy streak that he had going of, I think he was close to 40 straight starts of allowing six hits or less and something like 32 or 33 straight starts of allowing three earned runs or less. Or maybe it was four and reds. It was something like that. It was like quality start material, and it's like all of a sudden just bam. And I, I maybe it's tipping this pitch. I don't know because it was a complete departure from everything we've seen so far this year. Well, not only that. I mean, the last time out against St. Louis, um, it was on the twentieth, six innings and gave up four hits and two earned runs. I mean, that's yeah. not a bad start. It might not be regular Sonny Gray. Ask what you've seen from him in, as a Reds career, but. You know, I don't. Maybe it was one of those things where the Cardinals went in with a game plan after they saw him last time out. And they said, "Okay, we're gonna fix some things," and, and it worked, scoring six runs before he even got out of the first inning. And I mean, and nobody else really. You know, you look at the rest of the Reds pitchers. The one positive that I do want to highlight for the Reds is you got to see Archie Bradley come in. What did you think about him? I did. I did enjoy Archie Bradley. See, Lucas, this is why I'm glad that we're having a crossover right now because I appreciate <laughs> you pointing out the positives in the Reds today. Because yes, Archie Bradley was a great positive. I was a little worried about them, like kind of burning him out almost too much because he basically made it to Cincinnati like maybe an hour or two before game time because mm -hmm. they had trouble getting a flight. I mean, cross-country flights right now, I can imagine, is a little bit hard to figure out. 
And yeah. so getting him in right before game time, but then they're like, okay, we're, we're going to need multiple innings from you. I'm sure they weren't planning on that. I'm sure he wasn't planning on that, but I thought he answered the call very well. I was very happy to see I mean, he was hitting the corners. He was hitting some good fastballs. That's that's kind of his bread and butter from what I studied with him coming over from the Diamondbacks. He's got a good fastball, a really good command with that, so I was happy to see that. And also happy on the positive side, I'll offer up one more positive, good old Joey Vaughn. Right. I was happy to see two for two, <laughs> hit a home run. He's looked really good. So he was benched for three straight games for a doubleheader in Milwaukee and then one more game following that. And ever since then, has just been on fire, has looked like the guy that we would hope. Joey Votto would look like. Now, I don't know if that's going to continue. I really hope it does because this lineup, as you can tell, without Jesse Winker right now, just pretty awful. I mean, even with his two-for-two night, that brings his batting average for the season up to 240. And Jesse Winker's over 300. Nobody else is above 250. It's just – it's been so rough because you're right. The the back of the baseball card says that this lineup should be better. And it's like, all right, guys, we're waiting on the uh, little engine that could to get up the hill here. And so far, we're still going uphill, and it's taken an awful long time to get up there. But, yes, very happy with Archie Bradley and happy with my man Joey Votto, too. More from Jeff and I in just a moment. But first, I do want to tell you guys about Postmates. Whether you need red wine at 4 p.m. or a beer after watching a baseball game, sushi at 9 p.m., breakfast burrito at 8 a.m., or ibuprofen at 10 a.m., you can Postmate it. Postmates is your personal food delivery, grocery delivery, whatever kind of delivery service you need all year round. Anything you're craving, Postmates can deliver. They're the largest on-demand network in the U.S. and offer delivery from all the restaurants, groceries, and convenience stores, and traditional retailers you could possibly want or need. What's best about it is that they're open 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Postmates will get it to you within the hour. No more trips to the store. Heck, you don't even have to know where the store is. Postmates will deliver and take care of everything for you. Download the app for iOS or Android for free. Browse local restaurants and businesses and track your deliveries in real time. And for a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 off free delivery credit for your next seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use code Locked On. That's code Locked On for $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. Download Postmates and save with code Locked On. Can the Guinness Book of World Records give 2020 the world's greatest delay of game? Even though the sports have had a break, your businesses didn't. You have had to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, and you can pause your account anytime, and there are no long-term contracts. Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half more time three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers using Indeed, each month Indeed is going to get you the important hire that you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners free $75 credit to your boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash MLB. This is their best offer available anywhere, so take advantage of it. 
right now. Go to Indeed.com slash LockedOnMLB. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September the 30th. When I think of Archie Bradley, I think of him getting, I think it was a triple in the 2016 or 17 wildcard game against Colorado. That was just one of a wild moments. And <laughs> speaking of pitchers that can hit, and, you know, yes. go, going back to yesterday's game a little bit, Michael Lorenzen, mm-hmm. uh, I like his stuff. I don't know why they don't stretch him out more often as a starter. And, you know, without the DH, he could probably hit. I just really like what Lorenzen does, and he pitches really well against St. Louis, too. He's got the stuff, and I think that he had a really tough start to the year because he was super focused on throwing it like 115 miles an hour, like throwing it as fast as a human could possibly throw it. And then I think they told him, all right, look, you got no command on your fastball when you're doing that. Bring it back. Do what you were doing last year. You did great last year. Why are you trying to fix something that ain't broke? And he's brought it back, and he's pitching a lot better got a lot better command and I'm very happy for that because he's one of my favorite guys on the team and I was happy to see mm-hmm. his relief appearance yesterday as well or two days ago as well uh th- that's been kind of the thing it's like okay these last two games have really sucked but there's a couple of guys that are getting right that the Reds really need because with this season with eight National League playoff teams it's gonna be a little bit uh, I don't want to say easy, but it's definitely easier than it has been in the past to make the playoffs because half the, half the league's going to make it. Or, well, you know, better than half the league's going to make it. So if they could just sneak in, they might be able to make some noise. And right now, Reds fans don't want to hear that. Reds fans, all they're thinking right now is blow it up, trade everybody, fire everybody, start over, rename the team, maybe even move to the coast. <laughs> I don't know. But. They just need to calm down a little bit. I know that it's a shortened season, but there's still a little bit left to play. And see, right now, I mean, from the time that we started talking, from the time that you and I connected this Skype to now, I've already gotten more positive, haven't I? I I'm trying. I'm trying. Oh, yeah. It, it, it can be done. <laughs> it, it can definitely be done. I mean, you look at the way the standings sit right now, the, the Cubs are still playing at the time of this recording. They're up six to five in the eighth over Pittsburgh. So as it stands right now, the Cardinals are two and a half back and then the Reds are six back. So, I mean, but, but really, like you say, they're only really three and a half back from a playoff spot uh, because of the, the second place team making it in each division. And, and that's a game changer because with a team like Cincinnati, their offense is so explosive that if you catch them right or wrong, depending on how you Series right. that three game series is going to be over real quick when you got guys like Tanos, Suarez, and Mustaka setting the balls out. So yeah, as you're mentioning, it's like okay, if you can make it to second place, there's that. But even so, after that, there's two wild card teams outside of the guaranteed first or second place in the division. And I know coming into the season, speaking to most Reds fans out there, there were lots of Reds fans that thought that this team could contend for the division. But if you bear with me just a second, you got to be either the seventh or eighth seed to make the playoffs. And right now, when you look at that scenario, when you look at wild card teams, the Reds are right there. Like I think the two wild card teams right now, if the season ended, I think would probably be Colorado and San Francisco. Like that's not even 
looking at uh, uh, winning percentages and trying to figure that out. Maybe Philadelphia and San or Philadelphia and Colorado, whatever. They're only a couple wins ahead of the Reds. It's just a weird scenario. And meanwhile, you've got a Cardinal side that's over 500. I wanted to get your take on this because I was intrigued. And I know that based on some of the tweets that you had on Monday, you were intrigued as well. What what was kind of the driving force behind the Cardinals standing pat, not making a move one way or the other? It's it's really one of those things where all their problems right now in terms of offense and outfield spots have solutions, but those solutions are two to three years away. Or, you know, it's, you know, you got a guy like Tyler O'Neill or Harrison Bader still trying to get their footing at the major league level, learning what breaking balls lay off and stuff like that. And the, at the end of the day, it really comes down to Schilt and Mosellock, Mosellock being the president of baseball ops, mm-hmm. you know, believing in this team. For good, better, or worse, that's what that's what their feelings are towards this team um, is that, you know, they just want to go with their guys. They don't want to mess up with the chemistry. And, you know, that's what a lot, you know, looking at listening to the telecast on Tuesday, that's what McLaughlin and, you know, a couple of the Cardinals broadcasters were saying, kind of a cop out of like, well, that's why they didn't make any moves. They like the chemistry. Chemistry only gets you so far, but th- this team has a lot of minor league prospect options coming up in the, in the near future, especially with the pitching side. Uh, Aram Layton and I talked about that in my show yesterday or today, t- on Tuesday. Um, so the Cardinals really love what they have at the major league level and in the farm system, and that they just didn't want to give up any of those guys for a you know one to two year rental to try and win in 2020. And we'll see where that decision where that decision sits. That decision won't be able to be properly ju- judged until the end of the season, and maybe not even until the end of next season, because you know we'll just see how how that goes. But it just comes down to you know blind faith in this team. Again, you can say that's a negative thing, but th- that's what it comes down to for Schilt and the front office staff. Absolutely. Shout out to RM. He's got a great podcast there. Locked on yeah. MLB prospects just started. What was that like a couple weeks ago? He just started that. Yeah, right around when I started. Yeah, uh, yeah. mid mid August, early August, something like that. Definitely worth subscribing to if you love uh, just hearing about prospects and seeing what's going on around the league as well. Speaking of prospects, the the Cardinals have their number one dude, or at least really high up on their list, is up in the major leagues. He's hitting right now. He's playing every day. Dylan Carlson, what have you seen from him so far that you like? And I mean, I know obviously some folks will look at the statistics and be like, well, what do you like? But it's like, hey, come on. The guy's just come up into the major leagues. What are you thinking about Dylan Carlson so far? I mean, I, I love his defense, to be quite honest with you, because that, that's one thing that no matter what level you're at, that that's really on you um, of how, how you play defense. And as much as he struggled at the plate, that that is not carry into his defense. You see sometimes guys struggle to play and then they go after a fly ball lazily and it drops and all that good stuff. But no, Carlson, love what he brings to the defensive side. And when you look at him offensively, he just, you know, there's a big difference between a triple A changeup and a and a major league changeup. And I think Carlson's realizing that. He's seeing a lot of 2-0, 3-1, cutters and, and changeups and curveballs. And you can say it's a sign of respect. You can say it's just pitching to your strengths, whatever it is. He's seeing a lot of breaking pitches. Uh, his, his only home run that he hit was on a slider, so that, you like to see that. But it's just working on plate recognition. And you mentioned this kid's young. He's 21, 22 years old. Um, he's only hitting a buck 76, OPS uh, 476 or 498, rather. So, I mean, numbers, no, they do not. I'll be the first to say that. Um, 
but Arm and I talked about it on Tuesday as well, and it was one of those things where every single prospect is going to be hyped up, and very few percentage of those prospects are going to live up to that expectation. I mean, you look at a guy like Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who was hyped up beyond belief last year, and I think his performance was underwhelming. I mean, he had a, he, you know he had some big moments and whatever, but to hype him up as much as they did. But anyway, I'm getting off track. Um, no, I think Carlson's okay. gonna. I think Carlson's gonna be fine. Um, what brings me hope is that he had a strikeout problem early, early in his minor league career as well. Um, so he's gone through it before. So that gives me confidence that he can he can fix a strikeout problem um, at the major league level too. But I like what I see in terms of the the future of Carlson, not not, not necessarily the present. I think when it comes to intangibles with any baseball player, the the importance of availability obviously is paramount, but then the importance of just being able to make adjustments to see what you're doing wrong and to be able to fix that is very key. And if he's already done that, then that's a good sign for what's coming next. Uh, when we look at this division, and I kind of mentioned, kind of uh, asked you about the Cardinals' philosophy at the deadline, there was also something curious about another NL Central team's philosophy at the deadline. That was the Brewers. The Brewers traded away David Phelps. And yeah, you know, you're going to sit here and think most fans will be like, well, he was a middle reliever. How big a deal was that? But this is a team that lost a majority of its starting lineup and lost a bunch of players off of its roster from last season. They replaced those with some decent guys, but all in all, they're kind of right there at the level of the Reds and things like that. And to see them trade away a guy, what does that kind of signal to you as you look at the Brewers? I mean, I haven't really paid attention as much in terms of like what the front office feels like it, but to me it, it shows a similar situation to the Cardinals, you know, wanting to trust their guys and um, play with the team that they have on the field. But at the same time, why would you trade away one of those guys? You know what I mean? So it's, it's conflicting right. in terms of that, pro- that perspective, but I know that their record's better than Cincinnati, but I just like Cincinnati better than Milwaukee um, in terms of a baseball uh, skill-wise. I don't like either team per se, but in terms <laughs> of a baseball skill-wise, I, I like Cincinnati better. Uh, but I, I just don't think that Milwaukee has what it takes to make the playoffs this year. I know that they're closer than Cincinnati, um, but I just think that it kind of shows Milwaukee looking towards next year. Um, these, this is one of those teams, like you said, they lost a lot last year, and they lost Lorenzo Cain this year for, for opting out. So, I mean, that that was a big piece of their lineup that is just gone for this year, but that'll be back next year. So they're not giving up on next year with that um, with that subtraction. So I think it just shows that they're going to stand pat and be satisfied with a 500 or just sub-500 team. I don't know. Those, those are my thoughts. That is an intriguing concept. It's kind of something that I've thought of here recently is how many teams, and this is kind of a league-wide thought process because even – Sitting here and watching the Reds and the way that they're playing, it makes me wonder what kind of teams are sitting there right now. Like, obviously, you've got the Dodgers and you've got the Padres and you've got the teams that are just on top of the world right now and absolutely on fire for 2020. But then what kind of other teams do you think are sitting here thinking, you know what? This 2020 thing, like, whatever, man. Like, next year, we're going back to normal baseball, normal 162-game season. Why on earth should we go absolutely nuts right now when this is going to always be one of those seasons that everybody looks at sideways in the history books? Yeah, one thing that jumps out to me really is the defending champion, Washington Nationals. Um, I know they had Zimmerman opt out. I don't, I don't remember if they had anybody else opt out, but they had at least one of their star players opt out. So mm-hmm. 
I think really any team that's not, I mean, this might be generalization, but any team that's not in the playoff hunt is kind of looking at it that way. Yeah. You know, like, oh, we're not going to make playoffs this year. It's a blow-off year. It's whatever. You know, any team that's not in the playoff position, they're, they're going to look at it like, oh, we'll get them next year. This year's just an abnormality. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm I'm wondering, too, like, obviously the Reds signaled with going out and getting the reliever and getting Brian Goodwin as well, thinking, okay, we're still trying to go for it this year. That's kind of all well and good. I wonder what the players are thinking, all that good stuff. But, yeah, it's it's very understandable to see teams kind of just saying, you know what, we're going to chillax on this one. I hope that the Reds don't get there because these last two nights, if anything, would be not really nails in the coffin, but something that would convince you to start thinking in that manner. Hopefully the Reds will – continue their competitive stretch so all right I, I i've seen i've seen some reports and some folks talking about the cubs like oh look at them and like you know kind of having that patner patting them on the head mentality of like oh that's great your guys's window is closing you guys are going all in for 2020 isn't that so nice where do you see this division moving forward through this year and then even into next year yeah i i It'll be interesting because, like you say, all these teams are kind of in different circumstances in terms of how they're approaching it. I see the same thing happening next year in terms of competitiveness. I think the Cardinals, Cubs, and Reds are going to be the three teams that you look at in 2021 as saying, all right, these are the three teams that can go out and win this division. Um, you know, The Cardinals like what they see in their young, young outfield talent, like what they see in their young pitching especially. The Reds, like we talked about a couple different times, have a really good offense that you're not going to lose much from next year. And the Cubs, for as much talk as their window closing, they're 20 and 14 and two, three games ahead of the Cardinals in, in first place. So I really don't think the Cubs' window is closing as fast as we all thought it would. So I think moving forward, I, I think Milwaukee stays pat at 500. Pittsburgh might get up to 400 if they're lucky, <laughs> winning percentage. Um, but I think it, looking towards next year, it'll still be the Cubs, Reds, and, and uh, Cardinals in, in top of the pack. I think so too, and I think that's where folks might kind of lose their hats a little bit when they talk about their teams, because Reds fans are doing this. I've seen other fan bases talking about this as well, like, oh, well, it looks like they're not going to make the playoffs, and if they do, like, what's the point at that point? Let's just blow it up and start over. It's like, no, 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 no. Like, slow your roll, right? Yeah, there, there are plenty of guys on this team that moving forward will make them interesting as well as the Cardinals as well. I think that this is a rivalry that even though right now the Cardinals are dominating in 2020, I mean, the Cardinals are winning this rivalry six to one at this point and they've only got three games left. So it's not as if the Reds are going to flip that over anytime soon. It's going to wait till 2021, but I definitely think that it's kind of a renewing of the rivalry. Maybe not in the sense of like 2010 whenever you had, you know, Jason LaRue getting pinned up against the netting, but oh goodness, yeah. I think this is more of a baseball rivalry, which I think is going to be good for everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. Nobody wants the uh, the, the brawl of 2010 to come back. That was an, an ugly thing. So I agree with you. I was at that game, and it was – No oh way, my, really? It was like a million degrees. And I remember because we were about to walk uh, up to the concession stand and get a Coney and get some something to drink and stuff like that. And then uh, all of a sudden, my buddy who was you know really slow getting up out of his chair was like, holy crap, guys, because we had all stood up and turned around. And then we had to turn around, look back at the field. I was like, wow. And then, of course, what unfolded 
unfolded down on the field in front of us. And and then, you know, Yachty's next at bat. He comes up and he hits a home run, and that solidified his yeah. villain status in the Queen City. But, yeah, <laughs> it yeah. was uh, – I tell you, I, I am looking forward to more of a baseball rivalry because, and as much as some Reds fans will hate to hear these words, and it kind of pains me to admit as well, I really respect what the Cardinals have always done with their organization. They've always ran it, I think, very well. I know some Cardinals fans have thought that they were a little bit cheap, but I thought I think that the way that they do things has been kind of the blueprint that the Reds wish they could do it. You know, I don't know. That's just me. No, I agree. I think that, you know, Cardinals, I mean, their history speaks for themselves, you know, or speaks for itself. The 11-time World Series champion in the, in the playoff hunt for the most part every year. You know, say what you will, some teams are more underwhelming than others, and you're going to have those years, but they keep coming out with competitive teams year in and year out, so you can't argue with the results. And, you know, I don't think the Reds and really the Cardinals don't have any rivalry in terms of, like, hatred, like the, yeah. like the Red Sox and Yankees or Giants and Dodgers. Because even their rivalry with the Cubs, yeah, it, it's blown up over the years. Any rivalry is bound to do so. But like you say, that even that is a baseball rivalry. You know, that's like, all right, let, let's go play this sport that we're all being paid to play instead of focus on, you know, fighting each other and, and doing all this kind of nonsense. So I think that uh, Cardinals have always gained, garnered respect from every team they've played, and really every. I, don't, I think most sports fans see that in terms of even if they might hate the Cardinals, you still have respect for that kind of franchise. He is Lucas Smith. He is the host of the Locked On Cardinals podcast. I thank you so much for coming on for this crossover, us getting to do this today, and hopefully there's at least a more interesting game to watch tonight. I know that even though, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it was a lot of fun for you seeing that on the winning end, but yeah, I mean, you could pretty much tune out most of that game, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. But by the fourth inning, it was pretty much, let's get the ninth inning over with. Yeah, it's like, oh boy, is there a mercy rule? Ah, no, it's professional sports. There shouldn't be mercy rules. Anyway, <laughs> that's a topic for exactly. another time. Lucas, I appreciate it very much, sir, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. You got it, Jeff. I appreciate it. Good luck for the rest of the season.